Hello and welcome to Scott Rock. Where your hosts from Climb Scotland, Robert McKenzie and me, Cal McBain, catch up with climbers every two weeks who have different epic tales to tell us. We hope you enjoy the show. And remember, when you're out climbing, be safe and do your buddy checks. are back and welcome to Scott Rock. I know that it's been a long time since you had to listen to mine or Callum's voices asking famous people stupid questions, but we've taken some time, we've upped our game and we are coming back strong and to kick off Scott Rock in 2022, we did a bit of something special. Uh, I was invited to do a live interview at the Fort William Mountain Festival, so Scott Rock went all the way up the road got set up in the amazing Highland Cinema with a live audience for our first ever live interview. Just a heads up, the audience questions at the end were a bit quiet uh, on the recording, so I have done a voiceover as if you needed to hear more of me. Now, because this was a special thing, it needed a special guest, someone who inspires, a true local hero, a legend in Scottish climbing. But we couldn't find anyone like that, so we just got Becca Drummond back in. I joke, I joke. Becca is an absolute hero, and if you listen to Scott Rock, you'll know that she's been on as a guest before, uh, but she was fresh after a mega send last year, uh, and I wanted to hear about it. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the ever-inspiring Becca Drummond. All right. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Like I said at the start, uh, you've all booked seats. And I might even get rid of this. It's quite a small room, isn't it? Um, it's quite a small room. If you want to move closer to the front, feel free to do so. Um, it's entirely up to yourselves. But thank you very much for coming. Um, I am Robert. Like Karen said, uh, I work for Mountaineer in Scotland and myself and my colleague Callum up the back there. Uh, we run the Scott Rock podcast. Um, my job tonight is going to be to thoroughly embarrass Becca. Help <laughs> me hard. Yeah. I'm pretty embarrassed already, to be honest. Good. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I will say is this is a really bad time to need to pee. So <clears throat> I might be wriggling a lot. Um, does anybody already listen to the Scott Rock podcast? I'm going to throw this out there. There's a reason I'm asking. No? You do? Oh, brilliant. We've actually got some fans. Have you guys heard Becca speaking before then? Yeah, right. Okay, so yeah, Becca has actually been on the podcast before. She has done an interview um, and she spoke a bit about her climbing background and stuff. Uh, but that episode wasn't without its um, issues. <laughs> there was uh, little children running around. Um, there was edit issues with the recording and I phoned in the middle of it. So hopefully tonight goes a little bit better. <laughs> Game? Yeah. Cool. Um, so for those of us in the room that didn't listen to the original podcast and don't know who you are, would you like to give us a, a little bit of a rundown? Welcome. I'm going to thoroughly embarrass anybody else that walks through the door as well. <laughs> um, yeah, if you could just give us a little bit of a, a rundown into you know, your own climbing, how you got into it. Um, your kind of climbing history, how you've come up through it, where you are now. Um, just for those that didn't hear the, the original podcast, um, yeah, it'd be cool to just hear a little bit about your journey from the woman herself. Yeah. Well, 
Well, when I was reading your intro and it said been climbing for uh, two decades, and I was like, I've not been climbing for two decades. And then I figured it out and I was like, oh God, yeah, no, next year I will have been climbing for 20 years. I started climbing when I was six with my with my mom and I'm 25 and I'll be 26 this year. So yeah, almost two decades, which makes me think, God, I should be, I should be climbing way harder after 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> but, um, but no, so I started climbing... And my mom it bit some bobs inside, but she got really, she got really into it, and she put me outside, and we climbed outside for a lot of my childhood until I was like in my teens, and then I got into competitions um, and started training more indoors and competed nationally and a couple of times internationally, but didn't really train really well. <laughs> brush over that yeah, one. Yeah, brush over that one. <laughs> uh, and then I think when I was about 18, I got kind of my sight back for climbing outside again and figured out actually, yeah, that's way more fun than, than being inside all the time. And like with a big thanks to my mum and Andy who taught me when I was younger, I already knew how to place gear and how to climb outside. So it was like a very like quick progression from starting to lead outdoors. I remember the first my first summer of trad climbing, I was like, because oh. you know when I was doing it when I was a kid, I was like my my mom was like around the same grade that I was climbing as well. Like we would do VSs max. And um E one was always this like huge deal. It's it was a big like, deal. Yeah. Still a big deal. And, yeah. And I was like, oh this summer, imagine, imagine if I climbed like that would be that would be incredible. And at this time, I just stopped competing, and I was maybe sport climbing like seven C. And like you, you ones don't have the moves that are that hard. I mean, no. they're, they're still hard, and like it, you ones would they all shut me down as well. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, oh, just imagine if that that summer I could climb you one. That that would be cool. And then that very first day that we went out, climbed you one, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, no, this. This tried climbing thing feels a lot easier than it did when I was when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember to turn the mic on. Not that I need it. I'm loud enough as it is. Um, so yeah, like obviously you got into climbing when you were really young through your mum and stuff. And the big man who was on the screen there, Mr. Andy Nesbitt, taught you a load of stuff when you were younger. But you started climbing hard and kind of cut your teeth properly in it in the indoor kind of scene. Um, and it, like I said, I, I said this to you the other day, you were kind of part of the, almost the first generation of strong Scottish climbers to come out of the indoor climbing wall scene. Before that, most of the, the big names in Scottish climbing were, were all outdoor climbers. That's where they kind of, um, they came up. Um, so from your perspective, how did that sort of introduction and training going through the competition scene, indoor climbing, how did that influence your your outdoor climbing achievements once you started to get back into it? Um, was it a positive or was it a negative? Um, it was tricky. So when I was, it'll be the same. Maybe, no, it'll be different for you because there, yeah, <laughs> there was quite a few. For When you were up in Inverness, there was like a bit of a, like a kid's scene. Yeah. And there was like you, your brother, Nicky, Stephen. There's a there's a load of you that were climbing up there. But in 
in Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was me, and I mostly climb with other adults. Yeah. Um, and there was no like youth teams, which is like a relatively like new thing. Yeah. Um, there was uh, the Quick Girl Club, but that was in Edinburgh. Um, were the Quick Girls around when you started? Yeah, I think like, oh, they were just starting out. I think. Um, Either they're a lot older than I thought, or you're a lot younger than I thought. Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you kind of got used to finding your own motivation. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't getting that from anyone else, and finding fun in climbing just for climbing when I was inside. But then got a training plan from from Neil McGeeky and started doing a lot of coaching stuff with him. So. From that perspective of climbing inside, it was it was really good to kind of find your own motivation. Yeah. Um, but also <laughs> for climbing outside, I remember my first like big outdoor trip that I went on. I think it was fifteen or sixteen. When I went to Sayers, and just being like, "Wow, climbing outside is just really hard." <laughs> like. Yeah, I was gonna ask like. That, small, that, small fish, big pond. Yeah. <laughs> like that transition from indoors to outdoors catches a lot. I think it catches most people out. Yeah, you, know, you can be super strong and super skilled indoors, but having the finesse to transfer that onto rock can be hard. Mm-hmm. So and I'm terrified. Like, I'm so scared <laughs> of falling off. I remember I just tried this one, like quite hard route, the seventy plus, instead of falling off of all these six C's because it was it was just really scary. <laughs> all the footholds are polished and you realise that actually I'm one of the, the worst climbers here. It was just full of wads. <laughs> totally, please please yeah. give us a definition of wad. Um, like really, really good people. <laughs> 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 and like the people would just warm up on, your, on what you were yeah. trying. And from climbing like in a small wall and inside when you're kind of used to being in the top end of things to go into that it was it was very humbling but it was also motivating to see like oh yeah there's there's a lot further yeah to go. yeah so yeah like the coming up through the indoor scene and doing competitions obviously give you a lot of skills but mm-hmm. transferring that onto rock is totally different it's totally different but once you've figured it out did it help massively like you said, when you, yeah, when had you that started, fitness, when you had started that trying to climb E1s, they felt easy. easy. Yeah, because yeah. the technical ability to climb All right, come on in. Yeah. Come on in. That's quite all right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be as chilled out as possible here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not any heckling from the back row already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously you, you said... <laughs> possibly a bad realisation to have that you've been climbing for nearly two decades. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it feel to be old? Yeah. Weird. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm now going to be, I'm closer to 30 than I am to 20 now. I'm 30. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I'm almost <laughs> really old. <laughs> um, so you, you, you've climbed for these two decades. You've climbed most disciplines in climbing that you can get to in Scotland anyway. Um, you've climbed around the world you've done lots of different types of climbing you've done mountaineering you've done summer you've done winter um where would you place yourself in the climbing spectrum what where does your passion in climbing lie is it trad climbing sport climbing bouldering winter god forbid definitely not winter 
<laughs> the rest of it. Apologies <laughs> to any winter climbers in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from winter, and like an all-rounder, like definitely, uh, I get a bit bored and itchy feet if I'm doing one thing for too long. So right. it's, ni- it's so nice living in Scotland, where it gives you that opportunity to do everything you want to do in the year. So yeah. in winter, I boulder. <laughs> don't want to climb sometimes I do like today when we were driving here you know that the skies were really blue and the mountains were snowy and I was thinking god it would be it would be nice to go winter climbing and then I go winter climbing and then I get reminded that I really don't like winter climbing it's cold it's miserable my my hands get so so cold and you have to be late for a really long time I'm so scared top roping is terrifying <laughs> so yeah over winter I climb tiny rocks <laughs> <laughs> and a fingerboard that has to be released just that snippet as the best like encouragement for someone to go winter climbing ever well Simon you agree that's a pretty accurate description of winter climbing yeah, yeah. Some, like, you enjoy it when you get back to the car park sometimes but um... <laughs> and that's on nice days as well yeah yeah I, like so me and my my partner over there we uh Lana did her first ever winter climb the other day and it was on one of the most spectacular bluebird no wind everything was perfect conditions day and I'm sorry because everything's downhill from here <laughs> yeah. you will never get that again <laughs> um so you're kind of in everything apart from winter you're kind of in everything but where does that where does that passion come from then because if it's not rooted in one form of climbing, then there's not one one part of the sport that engages you. Yeah, no, probably just the problem solving side of things, and each like discipline have, has its own problem solving side of things. Like bouldering, yeah. it's very much about figuring out individual moves and really, really small bits of beta that makes yeah. things easier which i have to do because i'm really not that strong <laughs> so i have to make sure that my beta is like very, so there's a few people in this room that would disagree <laughs> but um and then root climbing you've got to figure out how to be as efficient as possible yeah uh, and making sure everything's like slick and then trad climbing and i maybe like trad climbing the best maybe Ooh. it's a tie i think between that and bouldering um I like how sport climbing got kicked inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bit like same as sport climbing, I feel like sometimes. But bouldering, you got to, uh, trad climbing, you got to figure out like the problem side, solving side of gear and what gear goes in where, and then also make a risk assessment, but then also figure out moves. So I'd say that, yeah, maybe actually after saying that, trad climbing is probably more my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we've worked through that mental process for you. Yeah. That was good. Um, but you do get burnt out if you've been doing a lot of trad climbing. I remember we went to Wales for a little while and went with Robbie, who's way better than us. Mm-hmm. But we're just climbing the same things as him. And obviously this is like, they were all an absolute walk in the park for him. But me and Callum, where we were just gripped all of the time. And three weeks in, I was just like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Callum said he was going to quit climbing and take up running. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, obviously... Robbie's just been doing stuff that's like well within his like comfort level for yeah. three weeks, <laughs> and we were just totally burnt out. So, yeah, I, I don't think I could do trad climbing like all of the time. Yeah, it's good to mix it up with other things. 
So have you ever had ambitions to do, obviously you're not that into winter climbing, but to do anything bigger in the, the trad climbing world, like going, doing any big wall stuff or all Oh yeah, stuff, for or... sure. Like, and when there's have a better time it? for it. No, no. yeah, no, I'd, I'd love yet. to. Um, like stuff in the Dolomites. Yeah. I'd love to go to the Dolomites. Um, that's that time we were in Wales, uh, actually we planned, I don't know why we did this, this is potentially one of the worst decisions we have made climbing wise. We planned to go to the Dolomites, but felt like we were going really quite well when we were in Wales and there was like a list of things in Scotland that we'd like to do. We're like, you know what, while we're going well, we'll just go back up. Instead of going to the Dolomites, we'll go back to Scotland and go and try and pick off this stuff that we want to do. Yeah, I know the face you're pulling. That's how I feel as well. I can't understand why we came to this decision. We kind of want to end the interview there. Yeah. We're done. And, and it rained. <laughs> and we got stuck in the van. We did absolutely nothing. <laughs> we could have been in... Yeah. It, it, it would have rained in the Dolomites. It it's okay. Just Dolomites. keep telling yourself that it would have yeah. rained in the Dolomites. You'd have got nothing done anyway. And you said you're not that into sport climbing. There's bolts on some of the climbs in the Dolomites. Yeah, so, as you know, technically sport climbing. climbing. Sprad yeah. climbing. Mm-hmm. I like it. Sprad climbing. Um, so looking through your your climbing history, um, even just the recent history, because all I did in the run up to this was look at your UKC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's not not a lot on there. There's not there? a lot on there. Yeah. There's only some very recent things on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking through your recent climbing history, you've got some pretty impressive climbs under your belt. Whether you'd like to admit it or not, you've got some pretty <laughs> impressive climbs under your belt that most people would be like, oh my God, that's like, that's hardcore. You know, we're not talking E1s here. We've gone beyond that now. Um, looking at your UKC at the moment, it's literally E5, 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 E6, E7. It's really bad. I don't want the E5. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a suede approach. Is no, that's not true. Well. Like when we UKC. go out, I. I'm more inclined to do stuff that's hard for me than have a day out doing easy stuff. Why is that? Because I get very few days out and then the stuff that I do want to do, but like a list of things that you want to do. So when you've got limited time, you want to make what time you have count. So you go and do the big stuff that you want to do. Yeah. Basically. Do what if you... I'd had easy days out? Yeah. Do, do you find that... Uh... Just going out and trying hard stuff is sort of beneficial to being able to tick things quickly, or do you miss being able to do some easy stuff just for some mileage? So oh yeah, I miss that. Yeah, but like, and then it helps for doing hard stuff as well. Like, there's a load of stuff that I'd really like to on site, but I don't want to go and try that yet because I know I don't have that background mileage, and I can't get that background mileage at the moment because I can't go out every weekend. Yeah. Um going and doing like a load of E2s so and it's that background mileage that would allow you to on would be comfortable on sighting harder stuff yeah so I suppose that's where bouldering helps <laughs> yeah bouldering helps you, know, you, you, climb, you climb lots of hard boulders you you obviously you can get out bouldering a lot easier than you can get out drag mm-hmm. climbing at the moment um and climbing hard boulders gives you a good kind of base level skill um, yeah and, and confidence in your own ability for when you do go and try and on-site pick things. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the head game of like... It's not the head game. Running yeah. it out of... And just like being used to 
what to expect on Roots as well. But I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like getting to the, uh, a hold that you think is okay and you think that actually this is where I should rest and you're resting on this hold that you think is okay and then you make one move and you're on this like giant really beautiful hold. I'm like, <laughs> just spent there. ages <laughs> like yep. shaking out on this like absolutely rubbish little thing or just like getting used to reading trad routes and you just don't get that without yeah. doing the mileage we went up to Caithness which was supposed to be like mileagey stuff and there's this I can't remember what it's called now, so the wall. Scaps 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 Scaps. Scaps. Yeah. Anyway, there's like it. an absolutely like, great looking <laughs> E3, like fantastic four stars. And um and we were supposed to be doing like, yeah, going and trying like nice big long jaggy E3s. And because in these like sea cliffs, they're normally quite steep, quite sporty, not like scary and hard. So went in to try that looked at the guidebook, looked at the route, was like, oh, that looks about right, so went around the other side. <laughs> so I'm just noticing the photo itself. That's like, well, Carry on. <laughs> um, and so I abbed down and had a friend feeling me, who hadn't been climbing in a very, very long time either, so I was a bit nervous about seconding. You talked about Callum, right? No. <laughs> and, uh, and he was nervous about seconding E3, and I got down to the bottom and started setting up a belay. And and but Callum was like waving from the top and like pointing to the other side. And I was like, oh, there's another line of chalk over there. He must be pointing to there. And I was like, I shouted up, "Are you sure?" And he was like, "Yeah, that way." I was like, oh, okay, right, that line of chalk it is. But I, he just meant that to set up the belay over there, that that's where you started, and you still like traversed over and climbed up there. So I started off up this other thing. I was like, oh, this is feeling quite nippy. And I got up and I was like, oh, this is feeling quite nippy and. And oh, gear's like, okay, this is feeling hard. And then fell off because it was hard. And one one bit of gear ripped, but the rest was totally fine. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, E2 still feels hard. That's about normal. I've not done try on setting in a while. And then, like, pulled back up. Absolutely. And I mean, dry heaved my way to the top, like, properly, like, elbows sky high. I thought I was going to throw up. Luckily, it got easier and easier, but it didn't feel like it was getting easier yeah. and easier. So I was getting closer and closer to throwing up. And then got to the top and was like, oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, I need to do some more E3 on setting. And then Cam was like, you didn't realize you were on the E5, right? I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But that, is that not actually knowing? Because I kept thinking, oh, God, was that was that the hard part? Have I done the hard part yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I better try and play some more gear because that might not have been the hard part. The hard, might, hard part might just be coming. And, but when you've done a load of mileage, you know when you've done the hard part. Yeah. You know what that feels like. And you'll know that... You'd also realise what E5 felt like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, being confident in your climbing just takes that background mileage that I just don't have. <laughs> At the moment, I just don't have it. So... <laughs> <laughs> So nice topic. sandbag, Callum. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well done. And then he went and did the Plymouth East Me that I really wanted to do afterwards, and I seconded it, and it was glorious. It was like jugs ahoy and as much gear as you could throw at it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so what would you consider then out of 
kind of the, the recent big sends that you've had, what, what would be your your top two? Top two. Yeah, what would be your biggest biggest achievements? What are you most proud of? Well, Skywalker. Obviously, like Skywalker. I didn't say that. Um, and then otherwise, not a hard one. A last favorite called Yuhuchi. I was about to say, was it Yuhuchi? Probably that, yeah. but maybe. Yuhuchi, for like just for information, is E6. And she's like, oh yeah, flash that. Well, my my only E5 on site got downgraded recently. So ouch. <laughs> quite, yeah, I know. Ouch. <laughs> that sting. <laughs> yeah. That sting. Um, but I, in fact, no, not Yuhuchi. It will be. So I did a boulder problem in Dunkeld, and I don't boulder very hard. Um, and that was. That was good. Do we have any boulders in the room? No. Uh, good. No. We, we don't care about yeah. we don't care about holding. Yeah. So you hoochie then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was good. And I missed. I need to read the guide a bit more instead of like trusting other people's opinions because <laughs> I was we were with Robbie again and I just placed all the gear that that I saw him place, but he'd not read the guide and not read that it said it had a crucial wire out left that none of us placed and we just all placed the, these like cluster of RPs. And then read it afterwards. And we're like, oh, there's actually a really good wire out left. That was that would have been quite nice. Maybe we'd have been a little bit less scared. <laughs> so both of them, and I think your boulder actually as well, was after having two kids, moving house twice, and all the various other life commitments that make training for these kind of big sends and getting the mileage in really hard. That's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. And we will, I want to touch on that a little bit later on, but let's talk about Skywall. I have to talk about Skywall. Yeah. Um, Skywall is, what's it, E7, 6 7. B? Yeah. Yeah, three star. I'm, I don't know if, Callum, has the photo come up yet already? There is a photo. You're, you're to give me a shout when the photo of Skywall's up. Okay. Um, it is one of the most striking lines. It is stunning position on just the best island. Um, so because it's one of the coolest things, one of the kind of, from what I heard, one of the most epic build-ups to doing it with some <laughs> proper antics. Could you just tell us a little bit about the the process that you went through to build up to actually getting that ascent. So the, the, the logistics of just getting out there, um, having to return to get the send, the getting the boat out, then trying to walk over the bridge and the training, the transport, the childcare, the everything. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a, a rundown of how all that went for you? Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> The crux of the route is definitely that it's just like an absolute pain in the bum to get to. Like if it was roadside, a lot, a lot more people would have done it. Yeah. Where is um, it? It's on Sky, so obviously you have to drive to Sky and all that texture. So that's probably where it is. And then from Sky, you can either take a boat across from Eldol, uh, across the law, and then walk. No, not across the law. Take a take a boat across to the law walk around the wall and then camp there and walk up to the crag, which is says 45 minutes in the guide, they're curious, and it's me. It takes considerably longer. <laughs> um, it took like an hour and a half to walk up. 
um, from the head of the law and yeah. walking around for theirs and their work. Um, and that's if you get the boat. And then you can also walk up and over from the fairy pools. So you can drive to the fairy pools, park there, and walk into the fairy pools, up onto the ridge, and then down onto the roadside. Yeah. Which, in writing, sounds like it would be fine. It's just walking up onto the ridge and down onto the roadside. In reality, oh my god, I genuinely wanted to die when we did it that way. It was like <laughs> Neil was. Neil said he wanted to ask for his mum. He smokes like 20 a day. I would not done like any walking in a very long time. My bag weighed 25 kilos. And luckily we had our friend Tim with us. Who, um, was a guide on Sky. So he could at least tell us which way was. Um, <laughs> we were just kind of following him. <laughs> 25 um, kilo pack. Because it's not like... yeah. You know, it's so far out there, it's not a day trip. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely, it's absolutely, absolutely not, not a day, day trip. trip. Unless you're, like, really, really strong and you think you can that. Aye, unless like, you're Tim Miller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which nobody is. Mm-mm. No. And so I'd read uh, a blog about Skywalks. There's not there's not loads of information to know, like, how, like, what kind of route it is, how to train for it. But I'd read someone's blog that said everyone that had done it so far had been really strong. And what they were banking on was being actually quite logistically talented. Like, I think the guy knew the area quite well and knew how to set up the ropes and things like that. So when when his partner did it, that's what they were kind of like banking on because they also weren't like professional climbers and the people that had done it beforehand were professional climbers. And I was like, hmm, definitely not a professional climber. Definitely 100% not logistically talented. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm gonna need to be quite clever about what we're doing. So I messaged and asked, yeah, like making sure that it's all on small holds, not on slopers, so that I take bring finger strength. And I also knew that for for me anyway, the best way to get better at doing hard trad routes would be to go out and do hard trad routes in advance. Like I'd, I'd, ideally you'd want to get a handful of E7s in the bag before going out and taking a really long walk in and then climbing another E7. Uh, so I was like, right, yeah, I should. But I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, so I just need to be stronger than is actually needed so that it doesn't feel like I'm on, on the very desperate. edge. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel totally desperate, yeah. like I'm on the edge of falling off because then I'm probably going to get really gripped and not be able to do it. So. Yeah. I actually wouldn't want to fall off E7 anyway. Yeah, I mean, the fall is actually all right. Um, but. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I thought, oh, I bet I might as well actually, because I'd not been on an E7 or something that hard previously. I was like, oh, I might as I should probably go and try one. So at least I know how hard that feels. So I took a friend, Christy, to Preku. And we went up, and there's apparently an E7 on, on the main wall. And we went, oh, like, okay, right, because we need to set up a top rope. So we did um, like an HBS or something up to the top. We did a couple of HBSs and then did, yeah. we were like, right, we'll set up a top rope on this. And it's not very often that I feel like I'm the most experienced person in a climbing team, but Christy had not done a lot of trad. So I was like, right, do you want to be set up really? Make sure she's all clipped in, make sure everyone's safe. And that was fine. 
And so she had them first and then I set up the top rope on so I'm gonna try and explain this. So there is it was off of a tree and because one rope wasn't long enough, we would tie together two ropes. So there was obviously a chunky knot on one end. So if you think about that, it can only be pulled one way or else if you pull it the other way, it'll get stuck in the carabiner at the top and it won't move. So that's fine. And when I'm abbing down, I'm like clipping both of my ropes because you ab on two on mm -hmm. two ropes. I'm clipping both of my ropes into the bit, little bits of gear I'm putting in. And then I get to the bottom and I think I've gone a little bit off route. So I was like, oh, I'll just unclip one of my ropes so that one of my ropes dangles in the right place and one of them dangles in the wrong place and that they can be laid off that end and that's fine. And I get to the bottom and I'm going to pull the ropes through. And so you can imagine that I've clipped both ropes through all those bits of gear at the top. That knot is obviously not going to pass through anything because it's clipped through a and at the bottom, neither of my ropes touch each other. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I can't do anything. I can't I can't climb up them. I can't prussic up them. I also don't know how to prussic up ropes. I've never done prussic up ropes before. Um, but my first bit of gear is maybe, it's not that high up. It's maybe like four meters off the ground. So I kind of like had to bolt. Well, first of all, I had to look on YouTube and figure out how to prussic up ropes. <laughs> And then I had to boulder up to my first bit of gear, clip into that, get Christy to pass me the other rope across. So then I had two bits and then figure out how to prussic, then set up my prussics and prussic all the way up to the top. And by the time I'd done all that, it was dark and Christy was very cold. <laughs> and I shouted down to her. I was like, oh, do you mind if I have a wee shot on it now? It's all set up. She's like totally taking the piss because it's dark and we're all freezing. And she was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> No, we need to go home. So that was my only time that I'd been on E7 prior to that. And probably shows that we're not particularly logistically talented. So that was you trying to set up a top rope. That was me trying to set up a top rope. On an E7. Mm -hmm. And what did you do the first time you went out to Skywalk? Oh, we got on a lot better. But you set up a top rope. But I managed to set up a top rope. <laughs> set up a huge top rope. Well, a huge 50 metre bouncy top rope. I had to take the first turn on. Brilliant. Yeah. And... It was quite scary, actually, um, because the wall, it's like a, a vertical wall that rounds out at the top. So when you kind of, and you have to traverse along the slab at the top to find where the anchor is, but you can't see because it, yeah. like, it drops off. And so it's on Gabbro, and Gabbro is really like quite sticky rock. So... I don't know, like you're traversing across the top and on terrain that it's not walking, it's not climbing, but I'm also very aware that there's a large, large drop to my left. And it's a little bit damp and just like quite on edge. And then had to do a very, and kind of Geek and I tossed up between, we both went over to set up the ropes and one person would traverse back and the other person has to do like a small abseil and set up the rope slightly lower down and we had to like flip a coin between who wanted to toss uh, who wanted to <laughs> traverse back and who wanted to do like this like giant ab over gabbro and i chose abbing down and setting up the rope rather than traversing back neither and one's a, a fun choice <laughs> yeah and we had to do it and again in the rain to get fun. the ropes back when it started raining yep because the first time you went out there the weather was it was bad. Pretty crap. We went out for five days on a good forecast. 
and out of those five days we went for half a day um so all that effort all those hours of walking in on a top rope with 25 kilo packs yeah. each half a day set up top rope for half a day mm-hmm. i did it and did it clean <laughs> on that top rope it's like hey. on that goal and was like yes you make that's it, it we're in <laughs> you gotta make it count and then it just like heavens opened and that was it there yeah. was one time where we thought we might do it and you know that way when you're walking in somewhere and it was like the clouds split and the sun came through and I was like oh it's a sign Things today. I didn't do it <laughs> and then I must have just thought too soon because then we got there and we started absolutely pissing it yeah. so that's that was what you the... get for thinking you've done it before you've done it yep so that was the first time you went out there yeah. And it kind of went well. You got, you did it yeah. all clean on a top rope, but could have gone better. You could have had more a sense on it, more mileage on it before psyching up and getting yeah, on it. Yeah, could have done it. Yeah. Uh, but the second time, you the second time was worse. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, this time you didn't choose to get the boat, did you? You went up over the bridge. No, second time we got the boat again. Um, We've been out three times. Three times? Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the second time was very brief. Um, small weather window over the weekend. It was supposed to be like one of the hottest days of the year. I was like, oh, it's sticky rock, doesn't matter. Um, but I could only get from the Friday evening over to the Sunday. But they went out on the Thursday. And so I think we arrived at like midnight on the Friday, slept in the car, got the boat over on the Saturday. But then didn't realise that the boat didn't run on a Sunday. So <laughs> I had to You're really selling this, yeah, I'm no. not the logistical expert thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Walked in again with a load of stuff. You could have had a bit of a nightmare the day before. Had one go on the Saturday and I was I don't know, probably what I should have done for this trip is like walked up a lot more hills because I was knackered from walking in and I can't I can't climb when my legs are that tired. So and it was really, really, really hot. Yeah. So that didn't go very well. It was like, oh, it might be cooler tomorrow. Woke up the next day, still felt knackered. It was still really hot. Had to go back down and get the boat anyway. Had to walk around. No, didn't couldn't get the boat. So I had to walk down. Round the law. Oh my god. Didn't ration food well enough. It took a really, really it's like I wanna say thirteen miles. Yep. Back. So after the second time you decided you needed to walk up more hills. And then the third time you decided to walk over the top of the ridge. Uh, Did not you actually through personal choice. Not through personal choice. The, Did you walk up any more hills in between then? No, absolutely. No. Not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Starting to get a picture of how this is going, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you went up over the ridge this time. Not your choice. You got forced no, into that. Yeah, because the boat was fully booked. So we had to walk up and over the uh, ridge, which is a long way. And then that was better. I had like a, a day to recover my legs. Always set up the top rope and stuff and worked little bits and bobs. Um, but weather was better this time. Weather was much better. Not so hot. You got it on the top rope. Yeah. Got psyched. Mm-hmm. Did it. And the next day. The yeah, next I can't day. remember. At you sent point. it. You mm-hmm. sent it anyway. Awesome. And did you have to leave both pitches? Yeah. Yeah. So there's well, I didn't e- actually do the didn't <laughs> maybe I've not done it. Maybe I'm fraud because I didn't do the top pitch because I had to set up the rope again because Geek was still trying it. So I've climbed to the to the very very top. There's like a an exit 
Oh, pitch. right, okay, yeah. They're the first two pitches. Yeah, there's an the E6 third. pitch and then the E7 pitch. Yeah. Yeah, and the E7 pitch is the money the, pitch. It's the money pitch. Yeah. Although the E6 pitch is... Hard I was going to say, yeah, E6 is no giveaway. And it was hard, well... I felt like I could fall off the E7 pitch. Yeah. It wouldn't have been it would have been a bit scary, yeah. but it felt safe. Whereas the first pitch, I don't know, there's something about I don't know if other people get this, but being close to the ground that um when there's not very much gear between you and the ground and the ground's quite close. At least you could afford to take quite a big fall from the second pitch, whereas the first one I I didn't really like it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think any of the gear was worthwhile aside from one piece. More incentive not to fall off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you finally sent it. How was the actual climb then? Like logistics aside, weather all aside, how was actually oh, climbing that thing? Like absolutely beautiful. Like the just constantly interesting moves, no bad bits. Like my style of little technical crimpy climbing and I always thought 6B was like the absolute end of the world I couldn't actually climb um 6B so but it turns out I'd not hard. actually tried very very crimpy 6B I tried like hard early 6B um <laughs> and and just the bit of rock itself is the is the most gorgeous bit of rock I have ever ever been on yeah, I'm hoping the photo does actually come up here at some point. Yeah, and it's getting close to that boulder. Yes, yeah. It is uh, absolutely... That's Yuhuchi, though. Oh, there's Yuhuchi. E6. And you didn't place the crucial bit of gear. No. Good. Um, yeah, it is absolutely a stunning bit of rock, and uh, hopefully we get to see the photo when it does come up. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, just Google it. It is absolutely gorgeous. What a stunning line. Congratulations on taking it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the walkout was again horrible. Yeah, yeah. And Tim wasn't <laughs> with us that time. It took us once we were up on because Tim quite kindly carried a good portion of our gear on the way there. <laughs> but then obviously we had to carry it all on the way back. So, um, and so, see, trying to find from up on the ridge, find actually the the way to exit onto the scree. Yeah. Because we, when we walked up, I think at that part it was dark, and I kind of just figured it would be really obvious, but it took like a good, I want to say a couple hours of like dumped the bags, went backwards and forwards down all the bits we thought might join up to the scree slope, but none of it seemed to be working. And I was really close to just phoning Tim and being like, like on video call because we got signal there, being like, can you just like direct us? Um, which sounds really bad, and I should really do some navigation things. <laughs> Nobody judge her. Yeah. Uh, but we eventually did find the right bit that was safe. And if we'd gone down any of the bits that weren't safe, you know, we're sensible enough to set up an ab rope when and if we'd gone down one of the bits that we were kind of like very, very close to going down, it would have been about three abseils and Jesus got back to my car down. So after you know, after absolutely everything, was it absolutely what you were hoping it would be? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the The climb was still good enough to be worth it after all that. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been the same if it was. Yeah. At the road, because part of what was great about it was the location mm -hmm. and the extra kind of challenges that came with yeah. that. So, I would be ashamed if I didn't bring it up. <clears throat> so, hey. Uh, how old was Innes at this point? 
Uh, the first time we went out, she was nine months. Yeah. Uh, she must be a year and a half or something. The second, the third when yeah. we did it. Yeah. I think. So, a year and a half. You you finally sent this the this massive E seven a year and a half after Anna was was born. Mm-hmm. Um, that's after two kids moving house. Like I said, twice all the other life things that make training hard to have all that time out, not being able to train as much as you want, not being able to do as much mileage as you want to, to come back and tick the hardest route you've ever climbed is seriously impressive. And now I'm <laughs> going to embarrass you. <laughs> seriously impressive. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what your experience has been like over that few years, um, you know, having Lucy, having Innes, um, climbing throughout both pregnancies, figuring out how to climb again afterwards um, and how you kind of brought yourself back um, to send your hardest lines. Like, how was that for you? Yep. Um, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, but I like to think it's a mix, like a very solid mix of of luck and and hard graft like and in the sense of luck um i had straightforward pregnancies it's not like i was on bed rest and i have a partner who's got flexible work a lot a lot of people don't i could afford to take. Hang on, did you just say that Callum actually does any work? <laughs> it's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like he's supportive. He takes the kids. My I've got family nearby, and as you know, we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination. But we're we're comfortable enough that I'm not working two jobs, and I'm not had to go back to work like two weeks after having my kid or anything like that. I'm not having to work like. 50 hours a week to make ends meet I've got time and it's not and you know what like obviously having more money would make things easier and you know because obviously money doesn't buy you being a better climber but money buys you time essentially yeah buys you I don't know a cleaner (laughs) 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 that'd be nice (laughs) um I've been, I've been yeah. to their house. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very nice. <laughs> uh, it buys you petrol money for places. Uh, but we are lucky in the sense that we, yeah, we are, we're comfortable. We're good at budgeting. Uh, I'm lucky in the sense that although I feel like my recovery from having an S, although it was a lot harder than with Lucy, it, um, it's not as hard as other pe- some other people's. Yeah lucky in the sense that I had two very chilled out babies if I'd had two really colicky babies that screamed every night things might be totally different so it is a lot of it does come down to luck yeah and when you see people say all oh, kind of like oh no excuses and blah 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 actually there's some really bloody good, Damn good excuses and yeah not even excuses reasons that things might not be going yeah with the way you want to at that moment in time yeah and and like right now I'm I'm barely climbing. <laughs> or I climb oh, that's not true. I, I fingerboard sometimes and I climb sometimes, but I'm on placement working forty hours and I've got both those kids and I've got another one on on yep. the way and it's 
Like, You're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when we go it's like you actually don't like climbing. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make climbing as difficult for myself as possible. But then, hard work-wise, I didn't have a very easy recovery with Innes. I ended up with maybe a, say, like, this month gap. How much is that? It's like... You remember that this has been recorded for a podcast, right? Like, a very large <laughs> gap between my abdominal muscles and my, like, I couldn't hang off of a pull-up bar for ages because that took too much core strength. Um, if I was lying on the ground flat on my back, I couldn't lift my feet off of the floor because my core wasn't strong enough to do that. Um, I'd pee whenever I coughed, I'd pee whenever I ran. And those things... It's just a Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> those things took a really, really long, not long time to fix, but a lot of me actually doing what was involved to fix that. like Proper rehab. Like actual yeah. boring rehab, like holding onto a pull-up bar and not taking my feet off the floor, but just like taking a bit more of my body weight. And then the next time I did it, taking a bit more of my body weight. So eventually I could actually hang off of a pull-up bar. And then progressing that, to hanging off of a fingerboard and then being able to hang off a fingerboard with weights again and then actually being able to climb on steep ground without my insides feeling like they're gonna fall out my vagina like (laughs) like and that is and that's being quite lucky yes having your insides not falling out your vagina would be classed as lucky yes yeah but and but (laughs) because a lot of women don't get to the point where they can feel like they can do these things and I had money to go and see a physio, a private yeah. physio, and not wait in a long line with that. That makes a big difference. What did you find were the biggest challenges you did come across then? What did, what did it take mentally to to not lean on those excuses or reasons um, and, and come out the other side of this stronger? It's just... So a lot of people, I guess, when they do have kids, guys and women, they do just kind of like let climbing take the backseat, which is totally fine. And sometimes, I can't think Calm thinks this as well, it would just be easier if we weren't so obsessed with climbing, but just can't do it. It's like niggles away at the back of my head and I can't, I can't let it go. After a while, you're going to get that. It's like itch. an illness. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's climbing. It's like a sickness that you just can't get rid of. And it's what it, it makes me feel fulfilled. And it would be, I know they're listening up at the back as well. It would be great if my kids, if I could get that fulfillment solely from my kids, and my life would be a lot easier if I could get that just from family life and a lot of people can and I'm jealous of that but I can't and I need to do something else and that something else for me is is going climbing it's the therapy yeah exactly yeah. it's my time out yeah yeah it's my time Which, to do I, my thing you know I, I think while you're saying that you're jealous of people that get that fulfillment I think everybody still does need that in some yeah, way a bit of time yeah. except probably isn't so time consuming again you're again you're possibly lucky in the way that you've found yeah, exactly. But, what gives me know, that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, how is the? Oh, it'd be better if Callum could get his fulfillment just from looking after the kids. Actually, then I could spend <laughs> more time going climbing. Hint, hint. 
That's it. Callum's giving up climbing. You're yeah. going to take up running mm-hmm. in between when the kids go for a nap. Okay, but not like it. ultra running. Right? Becca's just going to climb like all the time. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you find the, the transition sort of coming back into into climbing after having the kids and sort of getting your body back to to kind of and a, a fitness that you could actually get back out there um, because obviously climbing comes with its inherent risks and, and, and stuff. How did you mm-hmm. find the kind of psychological part of going trad climbing and taking sort of risks again, even on easy stuff, you know, there's inherent risks there. Yeah. So was that in your mind at all? Um, was it was it an easy transition of, cool, I'm just going back climbing again or was it something that kind of weighed on you? Um does it sound bad if I say no? <laughs> um, I don't think so. Obviously, I just think beforehand, I didn't want to die or become injured. And after kids, I also didn't want to die or become injured. Like, it's not, yeah. that's not something that's changed. Yeah. It's maybe gotten a little, not from having the kids, but just from ha- becoming a little bit older, from becoming a teenager to becoming an adult, you don't feel invincible. Yeah anymore but that's not to do with the kids or anything like that that's just life yeah and yeah. so i'd say having the kids probably didn't change that side because like, like i think we, we we both know that you know driving to the crag is more dangerous than actually being at the crag um it's got mm-hmm. more risks involved in it but obviously i think for for some people especially when you're younger the the risks involved in the activities that we do climbing trad climbing sport climbing whatever it is they're kind of in the back of your mind and the older you get and the more wise you get they become a little bit more real um yeah and yeah i wondered if you know having kids brought that a bit more into the forefront at all no i, I don't actually think the kids had anything to do with it like i guess the only thing we chatted about on that front both calm and i was winter climbing like if we both wanted to do more winter climbing i think Winter duck climbing, in my opinion, does hold more objective dangers, controllables that are, are things that you can't control. And that it would be a sensible idea if neither of us went winter climbing together. <laughs> Just in case something did happen, it's slightly morbid, but <laughs> that was... Darn chat. Yeah, <laughs> that, was the, that was the only thing on that front. That, yeah, um, yeah. But then neither of us did get into winter climbing, so it's not been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, neither yeah. of you actually like winter climbing, so yeah. I don't think that's going to be a, a big risk. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, probably wouldn't solo as much yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it helps that you guys are, you know, you've been doing this for so long. You've got all this experience. You know how to mitigate any risks that are out there to the best yeah. of your ability, anyway. And you I was know? always really cautious. Isn't like yeah, like you said before, person, you didn't want to yeah. die when you were young. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. Yeah. And that's not saying I don't take risks. And I take risks when I have the kids as well. And I think life would be boring if I didn't take risks. But I just make sure that those risks are actually worth my time. Hmm. That's yeah. something I actually really want to do. So how was it then? Obviously, you said, you know, physically, Lucy was easier. Ennis kind of put you through the ringer a little <laughs> bit. You know, that took a little bit longer to come back. Um Obviously, you know, coming back from being pregnant, having kids, there is like, you know, a good bit of physical rehab that you need to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back, do you feel that your climbing style has maybe changed to fit 
the kind of new Becker? Do you feel stronger in some senses, weaker in some senses? Did that play into why you wanted to do Skywall so much? Because obviously it's not such a steep route. That's a good question. Yeah, um, actually, it totally did, and I forgot about that. When I, after having Ennis, um, I figured out I had a, a slight bladder prolapse, and when you Google that, it tells you you can't do anything. Basically, can't lift weights, can't lift anything heavier than five kilos, even though my baby was heavier than five kilos. Basically, just felt felt like a bit of a life sentence. I was like, okay, no, I'll probably be able to just like climb slabs <laughs> and climb very stuff. I was like, oh, what's one like really good verity thing that I'd really like to do? And that was Skywall. But then I chatted to my physio and she was like, don't Google things. Just don't look no. <laughs> don't look up anything on Google. Never you'll ever fine, Google honestly. illnesses. You'll we'll we'll figure this out and and you'll be back doing yeah. whatever you want to do. But um I definitely climb way better after having the kids than I ever did before. But that's because I'm more efficient with my time. I go out and when I go out, I actually try the things I want to do instead of saying, oh, it's maybe not the right conditions. Or, oh, you know, making up all these rubbish, rubbish excuses. When you go out, you actually you get, you get stuff done. <laughs> There's, if it's raining and it's your day off, okay, you go and find something that's permadrive or you go to the wall or you just, you get stuff done. And I was, I think I was probably a bit of a chronic overtrainer and I'd get injured quite a lot and I don't have time to overtrain anymore. So I've been way less injured. And that's made a huge difference even though i've had to take time off obviously with like one two three pregnancies now i climb more uh, like i i'm not as injured as yeah. i was before so i'm not having to take actually stretches off Um i oh. eat considerably more so i'm actually i actually gain muscle and that's made a huge difference i actually can like do barley moves so having the kids has made my climbing actually way better it's forced me into making sensible decisions yeah that's an interesting point uh, having having had to step back and take you know the time out and then having to do proper rehab and work through things really gradually and follow like a proper program mm-hmm. to get yourself back um rather than when you were climbing before just jumping on hard stuff all the time and not really warming up properly or like going to the wall five days a week or yeah like, doing, like like in so, glasgow i do doubles like i'd Go to the climbing wall, cycle to the climbing wall in the morning, cycle to uni, cycle back to the climbing wall in the evening, and then cycle home, and then do that like five days a week, and then like eat salad for my lunch, yeah. and eat like, I don't know, probably like a cereal bar for breakfast, and then, oh yeah, look, I've got an injured finger, or like I'm not putting on any muscle, or... Yeah. So do you think this has, or will make you a better climber, actually oh, having, having to take that step back and reevaluate how you actually go climbing? Yeah, I mean be nice to have a little bit more time <laughs> it definitely helps but um it means i i don't i don't physically have the time to overtrain yeah yeah um so i am gonna open up to the room for questions in a second um so if you've got questions or, or you, you need to think of some questions please do um i'm gonna ask one more and then i'll open it up to you guys so just a heads up um Obviously, you've kind of spoiled the surprise for everybody already. You're okay. looking at number three. Does it the, the belly has given it away a little bit. No, she's not just fat. No. That's <laughs> really, really, really big one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you are expecting number three. Um, how how are you feeling about having another squishy one on the way? Are, are, are you feeling 
more prepared because you've now done this twice. You kind of know what's coming. You know what to expect. You know how to come back from it. Um, or is it just as stressful and nervous as the first time? Um, hmm. Well, it depends what day it is, to be honest. <laughs> when the kids have had a really good day and they've slept, both slept through the night and they're being cute in the house together, you're like, oh, another one. They're going to look oh, so cute together. And then they both wake up during the night. And then Ennis is crying at my leg, telling me she's hungry while I'm making dinner to make her not hungry, but I can't make dinner because she's crying at my leg, telling me she's hungry. And I'm like, what am I thinking? Bringing another one in. How am I going to cope? How are we going to do this? Um, How much do you blame Callum for that? Yeah. <laughs> and then being on placement and working 48 hours has been has been really really hard much harder than I thought I was initially going to be (laughs) and and had a little bit of a minor meltdown about that was um last week and so god how am I going to cope with with a tiny baby and not being able to sleep during the night and working like 12 hour shifts but um we'll just deal with it we'll just deal with it I think you're allowed to have little little yeah. breakdowns every now and again. That's mm-hmm. completely okay. And yeah. yeah, if if you two have proved anything so far, is you just get on. Yeah, you just get on with it. We'll whatever it's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're both quite quite good that we sit down and we do make a make a plan mm. so that both of us kind of feel like we're getting the fair end of the deal. Yeah. Because that's one of one of the hardest things is like not counting hours, <laughs> like not being like, well, I he got that long at the climbing wall, and well, I should get that long at the climbing wall, and not being having that like petty little score keeping thing. So when you find yourself doing that, being like, okay, right, no, I need to sit down, have a chat. I'm not feeling good about what's going on at the moment, and. Yeah, just so only to make a new plan of action once this one comes along. Yeah, yeah. And figure out a way that we both get a bit yeah. of time each. Make the adjustments to make yeah. it work. And you always have yeah. to keep making adjustments. Of course. You will continue to with those two as they get older. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as soon as Lucy starts to go, I want to go to the wall now too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, oh. she wants to go to classes and stuff. Yeah, that's it. Um, brilliant. Uh, has anyone got any questions they'd like to ask? Or is it silence in the room? Go on, hit me. I'm interested in your attitude to risk and how it's changed since having kids. I'm actually deeply relieved to hear that someone has the same view as me, but I'm interested to hear if you've had any reaction from people that you know really well, friends, family, that are maybe surprised to hear that your feelings about risk haven't changed. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, um, so I feel like on my on my dad's side, they probably don't know enough about climbing to kind of get it at all. Uh, and my mum is a total warrior anyway, so she's probably just the same level of of worried she was before. Um, but she knows that. Even I'm though all of this is her fault because she's yeah, the one exactly. that got you into it. Cool, and, good. And she was well into what she was mostly into winter climbing as well. But I think that's because she wasn't so into winter climbing. When I said I wanted to go winter climbing, she was like, okay, that's fine. But so when you go out winter climbing, tell someone that you're going and where you're going, but don't tell me because uh, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no... 
yeah no kind of like knee-jerk reactions from family or friends but I think they all know that I was like pretty cautious before and mm. continue to be so yeah maybe my mom probably doesn't want to hear about it if I do something that's like a bit risky but she probably didn't want to hear about it anyway um, well, I spoke to her last week. She didn't even know you were coming here. By the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Talking to me is a little less risky than E7. Yeah. Little, little bit. Like not, it, yeah. not massively, but a little bit. Yeah, mental injuries more than physical yeah. injuries. Yeah. Probably um, more nervous about this than I did about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still to really embarrass you. I could. I'm hoping that Callum's going to ask a question to really embarrass you. Oh yes, definitely. Parents and climbing present a great opportunity for embarrassing stories. So, have you got a top embarrassing story involving the kids and climbing? Yeah, embarrassing stories were like this. Um, yeah, I've probably got one for each of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we're at a little roadside crag in Dunkel that's like right by the road. Sometimes if we drove there... And let, you can leave the kids in the back because you can see the car from where you're climbing. Like, it's there. You can leave. If the kids fall asleep in the back seats, you can leave them there and just, like, keep an eye on them. It's brilliant. But um, Lucy had woken up. And I think Ennis was in our pram as well. So they're both up at the crag with us. And it was kind of end of the evening, fading light, calm. And I was done climbing. and But Cam was like, oh, do you mind if I have one last shot? And I said yes, but my eyes were saying no. But he didn't get the hint. And I should have just said no. Um, but he got fell off at like the third clip but obviously had to go and like rescue the draws and that was like it was getting dark and we didn't have enough time to come back down and for him to go back up um, so he started climbing to like get the get all of our gear back and Lucy had been watching cartoons and Ennis was kind of like quite happy in her pram just like playing uh, but Lucy came over and I think she must have been about two and a half or maybe, no, she would have been maybe two or three. But when your two or three-year-old comes over and tells you that they need to poo, they need to poo now. There's not <laughs> a thing that you can say later. And I'm obviously tied in Gilly and Callum, and Callum's obviously climbing. And I'm like, okay, right, do you think you can hold it? No, I need to poo now. Okay, right. So shout out to Callum, give him the lowdown on what's going on. He climbs to a bolt so we can sit back, and I tie off the belay plate so I can take both of my hands off but there's no I, I can't obviously untie from the rope entirely to go and take her to go and do her business so I have to luckily there's no one else at the crag as well or else this would be an entire UKC threat it's quite bad <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tie off the the belay plate and just kind of like hold her out to the side from me while she does her business and we'll clean it up afterwards obviously we don't we don't leave poos at crags that's bad um so that's fine. She's happy. Uh, she goes and stands inside with her trousers around her ankles till Cal can get the gear back and I can like give her a proper clean. I give her a proper clean. Callum pulls the rope through. I'm thinking at the very last minute, oh no. Because that poo that's still on the ground that's not been dealt with yet is directly in, in the line of fire for the rope <laughs> dropping. And so the rope drops and the end of it just like perfectly, absolutely perfectly lands like straight into this poo. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this pooey rope. Bennett. We, can't, we didn't have a knife with us. So we can't chop the end off. 
<laughs> and like a wet wipe's not gonna cut it. <laughs> so we had like a like a disposable plastic bottle with us. So like post the end of the rope into the plastic bottle so that it's like contained. Um, but yeah, I'm just really glad that there was nobody else at the crowd that day because that would have been a, a good argument for no children at the <laughs> which I'm very against. But yeah, I managed to clean everything up, go home, cut the end off of our rope, and everything's fine. So that was a bad one. <laughs> and then just Ennis, so Ennis has just just stopped um, breastfeeding, but maybe like a few weeks ago at the climbing wall. And I don't know some people don't still don't find it very normal to see two year olds breastfeeding, even though that's like biologically normal, very biologically normal. Um, but we're at the climbing wall. I've actually taken Lucy for a climb rather than us. So I was kind of spotting Lucy at the bouldering wall. But Ennis is grabbed onto my leg and is just screaming booby over and over and over again at the at the bottom of the wall. He's like, mommy, baby, baby, mommy. And I'm like, no, 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 sweetie. No, no, no. You don't have booby anymore. She's like, no, baby. Having like a proper toddler meltdown about booby. And I'm like, oh, God, kill me now. <laughs> So yeah, there's been those. And just like general <laughs> meltdowns, we've got to just like carry them away from the crack and be like, I'm really sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Callum, thank you. <laughs> Any more? Have the kids started on site new ones yet? Um, so Lucy's been starting to actually take interest in some bits of climbing but they mostly just like swinging on the ropes yeah. which is fine this is like the most fun thing that you can do uh, I'm sure they'll probably get into it at some point but we're not going to force them but hey Lucy are you going to be a better climber than your mum maybe yeah. <laughs> she told, she's told me that she doesn't like the outside climbing though which I feel kind of bad about maybe I've dragged her out too many times in the rain do you like the inside climbing more than the outside climbing honey mm-hmm. yeah it's warm and dry yeah warm and dry yeah I will say the day that Lucy climbs her first E1 she's getting an interview on the podcast too yeah like that's happening so six months yeah yeah you got this. <laughs> so is, is that what you're is that what you're doing with kid number three? You're building an army of bee layers for yourself. Yeah. Is that the plan that your kids are going to eventually, without too much pushing, get into climbing and bee lay you guys for the rest of your days and drag you up some hard stuff when you're old and frail? Yeah. I just hope they don't get into comps though, because I need to drag them to like all ends of the country. So um, yeah, they're not allowed to do any competitions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let our bosses hear that, Callum. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Anyone else? You mentioned goal planning, and you told us a little bit about uh, the cycle in terms of after your second child and coming up to Skywall. So when did Skywall become a goal and part of the plan? So before having kids, I kind of had it in the back of my mind that at some point in my lifetime, climbing Skywall would be a kind of cool thing, but... I was still given E8 at that point, and I kind of thought that E7 and E8 was a grade that was reserved for professional climbers and only professional climbers, and that would be like a, you know, like a lifelong ambition. Like one day I might climb Skywall, and then I was just like, ah, might as well just give it a go, <laughs> and uh, then realised that actually the technical climbing on 
on like six A, six B is actually within my capabilities. Um, but it was yeah funny realizing that you're like oh actually these grades aren't just reserved for professional climbers. I can I can maybe do that. <laughs> um, it's possibly the kind of scary thing about you know like I said right at the start coming up through the the indoor climbing and the, the competition scene is having that background climbing ability as soon as you figure out how to actually apply that to rock mm-hmm. all of these high level grades become within reach if you can yeah. get your head sorted mm-hmm. and that's kind of a a scary thing in itself especially red pointing stuff oh absolutely you know like, or head yeah like head pointing trad is yeah head uh, head pointing like, on sightings like a totally entirely different yeah ball game but um but even like head yeah. pointing and, and, and red pointing things, you know, you, you're going for high grades that you don't really want to fall off some of these routes. You know, E7s, E8s, are, most of them are kind of no-fall zone zone routes. And to be like, well, I know I can climb it. If my head's fine, then I know I can get through that. Um, so you're much more likely to put yourself into some scary situations sometimes. Or even, not even scary situations, but you're way more likely to actually go and try which is half of the battle <laughs> like if i'd not went and tried it i would have never done it obviously yeah but, you know i mean like that is half the battle is thinking like oh actually i i'll go and i'll go and give it a shot <laughs> yeah. and i kind of had it in my head that i might we might just like get there and actually it's way too hard and that's fine but then at least you've you know what you need to get better at doing to kind of like get yeah. there yeah yeah no, knowing that you have the skill and you can do that on rock mm-hmm. will make you actually go and try some stuff yeah and, and it, was, that's, it was that's... a surprise so the first trip out was actually just going to be a recce to yeah. see what needed to be done like to see how hard it felt and then i was like and then yeah we did it clean on the top rope and i was like ah oh, all right i can do I can actually clean that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's where big achievements come from is like actually just stepping up and trying it yeah yeah mm-hmm. cool you mentioned overtraining so i'm interested to hear how many times a week uh, would you consider overtraining Ooh, that's a difficult one because um, I guess it depends on your like training background as well and how much you've done prior to that because obviously if you've not done anything like fingerboarding before and then you went and you started fingerboarding three times a week that could be overtraining yeah whereas I feel like I could probably fingerboard three times a week and I would be fine yeah it's it like that kind of thing's super subjective um, and it, like, yeah, and I guess it's less. I don't know about you, but it's less to do with overtraining than more under resting. And if you can find you, a lot of people can rest enough that they can train lots. Hmm. But when you've got a job and your job is stressful, you're not actually. Even if you're not climbing, you're not resting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's half the battle. And most people don't have that. And I think most people probably climb slightly or train yeah. slightly more than they. Like if do. you're if you're a professional climber, you're putting on your Instagram all the time that you do training in the morning, training in the evening five times a week. Like that is their job. But you're sleeping in the middle of the day. You're going for a nap in the afternoon. You're eating loads of food. You're getting ten then, hours of sleep at night. And you've been doing that for a decade. Then that's totally fine. Yeah. But if you've got two kids, a third one on the way, you're trying to be a midwife. Like when <laughs> you've I got had, a job. When I had energy, it's... like not at the moment, but like when so I go like through peaks and drops of like actually having energy and then just like being glued to the sofa in the evening. And when I had energy, I'd do day on, day off, day on, day off, and 
maybe split sessions if I had like absolutely loads of energy, like a session in the morning, but short. I mean, like very, very short, like uh, a fingerboard session in the morning, and then I'd maybe have a short board session in the evening. Um, but now I'm just kind of keeping my feet on foot in the door, and I'll maybe climb once a week, and maybe fingerboard once a week, and that won't. I probably won't get better doing that. But it means when I do have energy again, I've not. I'm not starting from zero. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. The 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 resting is way more important than yeah. the training. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's subjective. You know, it's subjective. It depends what what you've got as your baseline. You know. Um, interesting topic though, Margaret. Mm-hmm. That, that's a whole other podcast. Let's not go down the rabbit hole. I know, and I don't feel like I'm qualified. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Anyone else? I am not a climber. I have no background in climbing. And you chose to come to a really in-depth oh, climbing yeah, chat. Dude, yes, I love that attitude. Yeah, you've got to throw yourself Love it. <laughs> but I have a real interest in mental health, uh, and I know it's been touched on a little, uh, but I'm really intrigued to find out how you manage your, your mental health throughout all of this, um, as, you, as everybody has to do. Uh, across all the disciplines of climbing, having kids, working a job, training, um, and you mentioned that, Climbing is your your release, uh, but I'm wondering if it's because of climbing that you're able to manage your mental health, or is there other things that you have to do to to help you manage? No, yeah, absolutely, and it is one of the ways I manage my mental health, and I notice, and I know Callum does too. You know, when you get into like a bit of just like a down cycle where you're feeling just a bit rubbish, and then you realise it's like, oh, I've not been climbing in ages, and you kind of switch into that and yeah. or I've not been yeah. outside in ages and even so I think sometimes self-care is marketed as like bubble baths and like that kind of stuff but sometimes it's just like making the decision to sit down with your partner at x time and have like a, a hard chat about how you're going to make time for both of you to go and do your thing for your mental health and because you sometimes you just expect it to fall into line and that oh it's a hard patch at the moment but it'll get easier but just like making time to actually sit down and have a plan that works for the both of you and Climbing for me is that kind of release for my mental health. It's how I relieve stress. Um, and when I don't have time to go climbing, even just like taking a five minute walk in the evening, <laughs> like, um, but making sure that you're actually, I've actually got the time to do that. And because before, when I didn't have, when I had all the time in the world to go climbing, it didn't feel like it was something that was kind of for me. Sometimes I didn't want to go climbing, but I'd make myself go, and I wouldn't really enjoy it. But now I always enjoy going climbing, and it's always good, and it's always good for my mental health. I don't know if you find that. Oh yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. Like when you, when you notice that you're feeling a little down or a little lost or or. Just not feeling you know, great. not feeling right, mm-hmm. and you realise that actually I've not been climbing in ages. Yeah, I get the exact same. And for for me, 
climbing like you is that therapy because it gives you the opportunity if you go bouldering to switch off from everything else that's going around you and focus on one thing Mm -hmm. which allows you just space outside of your own head but if you go trad climbing you sit on belay ledges for four hours you know it gives you it gives you time to be in your head and kind of work through thoughts and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so like climbing is therapy and loads and loads of different ways and i'm exactly the same i i notice it when i haven't been um and obviously for me it's a little easier because i don't have kids and i should have all the time in the world to go climbing wherever i like you guys have to work out your times and work out what works and make sure that you can get that you know and and like you said like you know looking after yourself and self-care is possibly marketed as going for bubble baths and bottles of wine and chilling out and seeing your friends and stuff. But mm-hmm. it is, again, it's a subjective thing. It's whatever is your thing. We are really fortunate that we have found our thing. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people in this world who haven't actually found what their thing is. Um, and it's important to get out there and figure out what your thing is and what gives you that space to be you and relax and give yourself that therapy. You know, Again, we're, we're yeah. super lucky in that. Yeah, super lucky. And and even if <laughs> what was me trying to like poo-poo bubble baths, but if bubble baths are your thing that you need to do for your mental health, it's like the, the self-care part is actually making a plan so that you can do that. And that's that is the a hard part. But save money so you can buy the most expensive bubble yeah, bath. Exactly. Out there. Maybe the hard part of self-care is like <laughs> writing down a budget. That's yeah. what we have to do. Sit down and write yeah. bloody budgets. That's self-care. <laughs> it's boring. It's not bubble baths. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Right. Well, I think we should uh, wrap that up there. Thank you very much, Becca. That was, uh, as as advertised, very inspiring. <laughs> was it not? Yeah, we've got, some, we've got some nodding heads. That's good. I'll take it. <laughs> you feel quite sweaty. You feel sweaty. <laughs> nervous yeah good good well thank you very much that that was that was awesome it was great to chat through a load of those topics and kind of get to know your head throughout all of this stuff um and i'm gonna sign off with with something i hope really hope this works i'm glad what you're doing hey lucy have you got a little message for mummy again you see what you said at the start Excellent. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, this has been Becca Drummond. You guys are, are free to pester her now. I'm going to go and sh- watch some other films. <laughs> nice. Was that as embarrassing as you thought? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of like one to tomato, how red are my teeth? Pretty red, <laughs> not gonna lie. What about in Dundee? <laughs>